Welcome to AudioPie's English Literature and Language Show. You can dip into huge chunks of over 19 series for free and learn on the go. Happy listening, everyone. Welcome back to episode four. In this episode, we'll be considering the four key characters in the strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Namely, the lawyer, Mr. Utterson, Dr. Lanyon, Dr. Jekyll, and Mr. Hyde. Each of these characters, as well as being crucial to the plot, also serves an allegorical function within the novel. Let's break it down. Jekyll and Hyde represent the opposition of private and public selves. Utterson represents reputation and civility, the epitome of the Victorian male. Dr. Lanyon is the voice of science and rationalism, standing against what he sees as wrongful and dangerous thinking on the part of Jekyll. Consequently, Dr. Lanyon and Jekyll's opposing ideas about scientific pursuits represent the cultural fascination between materialism and mysticism in the Victorian age. Dangerous thinking that results in the creation of Hyde, who is a representation of human corruption as well as the supernatural and inexplicable. Let's look first at Mr. Utterson. He's the first character we encounter in the novel, and also the eyes through which we view most of the book's events. Stevenson makes a deliberate effort from the start to highlight how Utterson is the embodiment of several key Victorian ideals. In particular, he represents three things. Firstly, Utterson is a shining example of the Victorian gentleman. He has a reputable career as a lawyer. After his name, it's the first thing that's mentioned about him. Lawyers are respectable, hardworking, and they understand the importance of rules. As we mentioned in the previous episode, Utterson serves an important narratological role in the novella, acting as the main perspective for the reader. Consequently, he is subject to following and deciphering all the various elements of the mystery. He reads letters, encounters strange situations, and finally uncovers the truth. As Utterson states, "If he be Mr. Hyde," he had thought, "I shall be Mr. Seek." Utterson is described as being dreary but somehow lovable, and also as being eminently human. That is to say, he shows the level of self-restraint that is expected of a God-fearing member of the gentry. Note that mention of humanity. We'll be returning to it later. Secondly, Utterson represents order and control. He is described as being austere. He withholds the pleasures of life from himself, refusing to visit the theatre despite enjoying it, and drinking gin alone to suppress his taste for wine. Indeed, Utterson is presented as a good Catholic at all times. By describing all of these character traits, Stevenson aims to make it clear to the reader that Utterson is a rational and controlled man. The lawyer is also a great example of Victorian masculinity, loyal to his friends, particularly those he feels are the most in need of it, and considerate to others. We're told on the first page that Utterson is often. The last reputable acquaintance and the last good influence in the lives of down-going men. Not only is this to his credit, but it also acts as foreshadowing for the events of the novella, as Jekyll slowly loses grip of himself and becomes Hyde.
By presenting the reader with Utterson from the start, Stevenson is setting a standard against which to judge the behaviours of Mr Hyde when he is introduced. Here's the reader's measuring stick, as well as their eyes. Next on our list of key characters is Dr Lanyon, the rational man of science. He may seem like a smaller character in the novella than the others, but he serves a good thematic purpose in the book. It is Lanyon who first suggests that the work Dr Jekyll has begun doing is unscientific and fanciful, planting the seed in the reader's heads that he may not be as innocent as Utterson believes. Remember what we said earlier about how Lanyon represents the battle between materialism and rationality? He is also a literal embodiment of that world. When Hyde comes to Lanyon's house and transforms back into Jekyll towards the middle of the novel, Lanyon is so shaken by the transformation that he falls ill and eventually dies. Lanyon's death after witnessing Jekyll's transformation could be said to be the result of the collapse of his rational material world. Having spent his life collecting empirical knowledge, Lanyon rejects the truth of what he has seen with his body and his soul, resulting in his death. It is key that Lanyon, the most rational voice in the whole novella, is the first to witness Jekyll's transformation into Hyde, and that he presents that account to Utterson in the form of a letter. His letter confirms the reality of what Jekyll has done, accurately and without exaggeration. This confirmation makes the transformation real to the reader, in a way it would not have been if we just read Jekyll's account at the end of the book. So what about Jekyll and Hyde? Do we separate them out into two characters or consider them as two parts of a whole? That's an important question to ask, and there's no simple answer. Jekyll and Hyde represent the duality of man and the opposing forces which are constantly at war inside of us. You could think about that war in any number of ways. Good and evil, right versus wrong, man versus animal, civilization versus barbarism. Jekyll represents the good gentleman, a respected member of civilization, much like his friend Utterson. But the potion which he drinks reveals the other side of his nature. Hyde is capable of violence, explosive passion, and lacks the civility which people like Utterson treasure so much. Together, Jekyll and Hyde are an allegory for something we call the duality of man. Jekyll himself writes in the final chapter of the novella that by the time he was 18, he was already committed to a profound duplicity of life. He battled against his own impatience and desires until he created a persona which fully, as he puts it, severed the good side of himself from the ill side. Jekyll notes that these two sides are one found in all men, but his seemed greater to him. Jekyll's dislike of the ill side of himself was only made greater by his religion, which he describes as one of the most plentiful springs of distress. It is perhaps because of his religion that he begins exploring areas of science which Dr Lanyon so disapproved of, attempting to disassociate the two sides of his personality. The result of that disassociation is, of course, Hyde, described as being tenfold more wicked by Jekyll. Hyde is less robust and less developed in physical stature than Jekyll, a fact which the doctor puts down to the fact that he is dedicated nine-tenths of his life to being a good man, and therefore Hyde, the evil side of his nature, is diminished. 
We're left in no doubt as to what an evil man looks like, however. When Jekyll first encounters himself as Hyde in a mirror, he describes himself as an ugly idol and talks about his activities about London using words like beastly, depravity and villainous. Remember that we mentioned in episode 1 about animalism? Well, Hyde is animalism incarnate. He is described on multiple occasions as ape-like and is constantly depicted as a figure which is not quite human. The whole time that Jekyll is transformed into Hyde, he still thinks as Jekyll, but with a relaxed conscience. As such, he is able to look into this other part of himself and enjoy it from outside, the grasp of conscience. This experience quickly becomes intoxicating, and Hyde grows stronger until Jekyll can no longer return to his original form and instead is trapped as Hyde forever. In that sense, I suppose you could say that this book serves as something as a warning to Victorian readers at that time about what could happen to them if they were to nurture some of their less admirable habits. Absolutely. Hyde is definitely a representation of what happens when a civilised man gives himself over to animal behaviours. What makes Jekyll's fate all the more terrifying is the way that it happens over time – Constant vigilance, like the kind displayed by Utterson at the start of the book, seems the best way to retain your civility and avoid becoming a bestial creature. Speaking of beasts, next podcast we're going to look at the major themes of the novella before diving into the book itself. Think about what you've learned so far. What would you say are some of the key themes in Dr Jekyll and Mr Hyde? Thanks for listening. See you next episode. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to search for and listen to the next episode in the series to build your topic knowledge. Hit the Acast Plus link in the show description to become a premium supporter and unlock access to every episode in every series for as long as you need. We also make GCSE and A-level content for history, RE, sociology and psychology. Happy listening, everyone.